And uh, being as this is Wednesday, it's uh, at Wednesday after the 11 o'clock news. It's left, right, and center with Bob Metz and Josh Schlemmer. Welcome, guys. Hello. Jeff, you don't look, uh, no offense, but you don't look quite as spiffy as you did last week. Last week, you suit and tie the full, the full legal regalia here. Sorry. You look more <laughs> relaxed. Thank customers. More relaxed. <laughs> okay, all right. uh, this morning, the guys have thought they want to take a look at uh, um, the issue of monopolies, I guess, in a sense, and antitrust actions, kind of predicated on the, uh, the, the, the actions that the American government is taking against Microsoft. Uh, I'm not sure that they're nose-to-nose on this one, but certainly this is a very important issue and one that I think needs to be discussed, and I'm glad that's what they want to do today. Uh, if you're not up on the story, the American government effectively has attacked Microsoft um, on the grounds that uh, it's too big and it's a monopoly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there are a number of explanations that say, no, that's not what it's all about. The, uh, the uh, U.S. government has said that's not exactly why we're doing this. We're not as upset about the fact that they may have a monopoly now as that it's going to lead them to more monopolies in the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is government is stepping in and saying, your, con- your company is too successful, and we're going to put a stop to that. Is that essentially what's happening, Bob? I'm surprised you even framed it that way. I agree entirely. That's exactly what they've said. And, you know, it's like there's an article in the paper today even talking about uh, the Canadian rep for Microsoft saying that what they're trying to do, it's like asking Coca-Cola to include three cans of Pepsi with every case of Coke. And that literally is what they're almost being asked to do. Um, You know, antitrust legislation is a no-win situation. It's been with us for years, and I've just never seen any effectiveness from it. It's like uh, if you charge, if you undercut your prices, you're, uh, you know, you're undercutting the the competition, and they come after you. If you charge the same as your customer, well, then you're colluding with your competition, and they come after you. If you charge too much, then you're price gouging, and then they come after you. So it's a, it's an attempt at price control and and of control at the. of the industry itself, but uh, the irony of all of this is that the bigger Bill Gates gets and the bigger Microsoft gets, the cheaper programs and the, the accessibility to the internet and things get for the average individual. So the success is ours. We made that success. We are the individuals who are buying this product or, n- or not buying it, and that's what comes out of the wash, is that he's, he's the winner in the game, and it's, uh, it's, it's a sad situation that there are so many people that think that because of that, his industry should be controlled. Jeff, uh, from your perspective, a little further to the left, uh, is there a danger in someone like Bill Gates being as successful as he is? Well, yeah, there seems to be. And, and it's interesting when I, I think back to my competition law class uh, in law school, and uh, we talked about the American history of uh they call it uh, competition law, that is where they've broken up big companies because they say they're too big and too powerful. And the rationale at that time always was that, yeah, they'll cut prices until they get rid of their competitor and then they'll uh, then they will charge whatever they feel like because they have a monopoly in the market. Uh, it's interesting with Microsoft, sort of following them over the years, that Microsoft, of course, uh, this can all be laid back to the fact that uh, Bill Gates' dad is a lawyer, I think, and he's been involved in litigation since day one with that company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and most of the... Uh, particularly the early work that he did was uh, was a matter of astute purchases, you know, buying the disk operating system, for instance. Um, but there was a huge lawsuit involving Apple Computer, you may recall, mm-hmm. back 10 years ago when uh, Gates designed the Apple uh, user interface and then turned around and marketed uh, basically a clone of it as Windows. And Apple said, you know, we bought and paid for you designing our oper- our interface, and now you're turning around and selling it yourself. Uh, that went on for years. There have been all kinds of, of other lawsuits over the years, um, Recall within the last two or three years, he had tried to buy a company called Intuit, um, which uh, made. Uh, but how were they settled? Were they separate. in his favor, or were they? Well, 
decided against There's them. never a clear decision in these things because they always negotiate. But in fact, what's happened with, with Microsoft recently is, of course, that they're negotiating way like crazy. And when the negotiations start uh, flagging, that's when they lay all these charges and all this stuff. And I bet you that this will get negotiated again as well. Nobody's going to uh, shut down Microsoft or anything. Although, on the other hand, the States has had a very strong tradition of coming in aggressively and, and busting. And I remember the main thesis coming out of my competition law class was we have similar laws in Canada to theoretically prevent monopolies and so on, but we never use them. Uh, whereas in the States, they've been very aggressive about it. You go back to Teddy Roosevelt throughout the turn of the mm -hmm. century, the big trust buster, yeah. you know, breaking up the, the railways. And I think, you know, in those days, the railways in some ways were similar to what computers are now. They were the revolutionary new technology that was taking over the United States uh, and the world. And uh, the government came in and said, we're not going to let a few guys with uh, a couple of railways run the, the whole show. We're going to break it all up. Uh, theoretically to promote competition. And in a way, I don't think that's a left-wing idea. I think that the the, uh, the idea is that the people who are purchasing services from these guys are not confident that if they let one or two guys run this show, that they will get uh, aggressive pricing, that they have to have a whole bunch uh, of them. I to have to agree pricing. with you there. I think that a lot, large part of uh, the, the antitrust legislation mentality does come from the right, and it's one aspect of the right that I'm afraid I just don't agree with. Cool. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take a short pause on that note and return to take your calls at 643-1290. Left, right, and center with uh, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. We're talking this morning about trusts and antitrusts and breaking up businesses because they're too successful. And uh, as always, we invite your calls and comments. And Fernando joins us. Good morning, Nando. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Anybody for Monopoly this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it that only one company makes Monopoly? Why is that? <laughs> Anybody ever think about that? No. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say that uh, what the U.S. government doing is doing right now is kind of right. Mm -hmm. now, you know, Bob Metz is going to be mad at me. But <laughs> Why do you feel Traditionally, that I'm a right, I'm a, I'm a right kind of person, but, mm -hmm. you know, I've done programming like since early when the PC came out, and Microsoft always made it difficult. Mm -hmm. the computer programs and operating systems are so complicated that if you don't, if you're not given the information on how to interface with it, mm -hmm. you'll never find out. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. It was easy at the very beginning when DOS, you know, two or three was small, but now it's really complicated. You know, and it's it's not the same as a car manufacturer and a, and a third-party company wants to make starters. Mm -hmm. Because you could pull the starter out, copy it, make one that works, but you can't do that with software because it's intangible. It's absolutely intangible. Microsoft is a company that was only lucky. They were in the right place at the right time. Their software is mediocre. It really is. Well, that's the complaint that I've heard from people in the computer industry. I mean, they're, I not, run, they're just not thrilled with it. I'm, I run Win 3.1 because I don't like 95. I n would never trust 98. Mm -hmm. You know, and Bob, you know, I'm very sorry you said, you know, about the Internet and all that kind of stuff. N Nando, it's funny what I hear you saying here so far. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I'm still running Windows 3.1. Right. I don't like Windows 95. I found it to be a very invasive program. Um, but the fact is a lot of people disagree with you and I. And they are the ones who made the decision to make this their standard. You know, I was just as, as angry when VHS became the standard. I, right. I, my whole collection was beta, and I'm still convinced today that a beta is, the, is a superior format. <laughs> yeah. I still have a but beta. the market wanted quantity, not quality, right. in the respect of video, because they wanted six-hour tapes instead of a three-and-a-half-hour tape. And a lot of people don't realize that the Internet is not based on, I mean, now with a lot of the people having Win95 and, and uh, Explorer, but... 
the Internet is Unix, and Microsoft has nothing to do with Unix. Yeah, they've been fairly, fairly new to the whole That's Internet. Right. It's based on Unix machines. It's based on, like, Linux freeware, all these other machines, nothing to do with Microsoft. You know, Microsoft machines, if they were, like, the hub of major servers, would crash. Well, Nando, what do you think will happen uh, with the positive? You say you sort of agree with them. What positives do you want to see happen out of this? Well, you know, I predicted, like, six years ago that Microsoft would not last more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. I think we're down to less than 10 years where Microsoft will be split up. There's going to be, like, an OS division, operating system division, you know, maybe an application division, maybe a, a web division. They'll be separate, and because it's intangible, there's, there will be other players that can compete. I, I, I'm a little lost when you say a program is or software is intangible. It looks pretty tangible to me. When I buy one, it's on a disk. Yeah, but there are know, so many bytes. It's written in a certain order. It's as tangible as a text in a book. Yeah, if you but if say. I want to start a company and I want to start writing software, let's say I want to make a some something that competes with Word, Word six or word seven or whatever is out now mm -hmm. it's very difficult very difficult difficult from what a programmer's point of view or from a marketing point no, from of a view? programmer's point of view so your complaint against microsoft is that is that to make to write programs compatible with microsoft programs is a difficult thing you ha that's right and that to you justifies the government stepping in and telling what microsoft to make their programs simpler so that you can fit in with them not i, to I don't understand that not to make it simpler it's that, it's that they do have an absolute stranglehold on if you want to be a third-party developer to write software to get it out in the market. Like, I've got books here that, that talk about, like, DOS 5 and DOS 6, mm -hmm. and half the things that are in there are only found out because of hackers going into the operating system and finding out. Sure. Otherwise, Microsoft would never have let it let it known to anybody. Mm. And one of the suggestions, I guess, is that uh, they have to make their Windows 98 more compatible with Netscape, which which I gather is the dominant internet format right now, right. Uh, which they don't want to do. They want to say, no, no, we, you know, since whatever 95% of the world's computers use our operating system, we want to make it only easy to use our uh, internet software, which we've now decided to get in the business of as well. And uh, what do you think is going to happen? I think that uh, Bill Gates is going to eventually lose. Yep. Well, if that's true, then why are we worried about that right now? Why should the government be, be quote, trust-busting? Why not just let his company, as I, as I believe all large companies do, they do go to a stage where they grow to a certain size and then right. they break up into their various divisions for the simple reason that it's not possible for one central authority to, to maintain the responsibility and quality control. Right. But we, we saw scared. that with IBM. You know? Sure. And it's going to happen to Microsoft, too, and I'm sure right. Bill Gates knows it. And I don't think it's a big secret to anybody. That's right. Uh, the but what, how does that justify us as the collective mob getting together and going after Bill Gates to make this happen faster? I, do we benefit from that process? I don't think no, we do. No, but you know what? Maybe that's part of, that is part of the process that's going to happen anyway. Well, See, as a programmer, Nando, I would have thought you'd be more interested in protecting your right to the programs that you write. Oh, I do. And that's, well, that's you're not copyright. saying the same thing about Bill Gates, though. You're saying you have your copyright until you become so successful that everybody can just take it. Is that your argument? No. My argument is that for my program to be used if I try to sell it to millions and billions of, of users... I have to make it work on his operating system. Right, and that's not his fault. That's the 
the problem is you're trying to appeal to users who've already bought his Windows system. So if you're going to sell me something that I can use, sure, if you're going to have to sell me something that is based on the system I use. That only makes sense. That's, but that, that's correct, but there's no way for me to get in if he doesn't allow it. All right. And I appreciate your thoughts today. Keep having fun, guys. Good to hear from you. Bye-bye. And Ivan's been waiting. Hi, Ivan. Hi, Jim. How are you? Fine, thanks. Yeah, good topic. Good. Yeah, and I'd like to give an analogy. Sure. I was the tin man for many years. Mm -hmm. In 1975, I opened my own business. Did very well. Yeah. Then I opened up another company. Now, let's say that I, the analogy, let's say I purchased a manufacturing company, that manufacturing site, vinyl siding. Right. And because I was a really a smart businessman, I was able to manufacture a better product less, at less cost. And I put all of the all of the other companies out of business. Mm -hmm. That's not a monopoly. That's because I'm a better businessman. Mm -hmm. Same as Bill Gates. He's not lucky. Whoever said he was lucky? The man's a genius. You, you don't become lucky. You don't make forty-eight billion dollars because you're lucky, Jim. <laughs> you know. And uh, I'll tell you something. This is very dangerous. If they can do that to someone that big, what imagine what governments can do with little guys like me and you, Jim? Well, I think the reality is, Ivan, they've always been able to do pretty much what they wanted with the little guys. They just haven't bothered very often. But all I'm just saying is, uh, as Bob said, we all benefit from Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I like what the, I heard this on on television. It's like saying to Coca-Cola, every time you sell your mm. uh, Coca-Cola, you must put three cans of. Yeah. Pepsi, Pepsi in it. In there, yeah. The man is a good businessman. Let him go. We'll all benefit. I'm a, I'm a person that believes in freedom, you know, and, and he is smart. He's doing a good job. They're just jealous of him. Yeah. That's all. The, the, the United States government is afraid he's going to take over the United States. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Adam. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. And Jim's up. Hi, Jim. I think all you intelligent people there are missing the whole point. Mm -hmm. We need tougher gun laws. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll yeah. tell you why. Okay. And if you're all smart, you'll all clue in. And I think some of you are smart there. Because every time somebody goes to buy the product, I'm sick and tired of people putting guns through the head, forcing them to buy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My biggest fear is that Bill Gates will lose his patience and just say, to heck with this. Just buy the United States. <laughs> Got to go, guys. I, I'm sure you understand my point yeah. behind the yeah. gun, eh? Yeah, thanks. Jim. It's free enterprise. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. 643-1290. Lauren's up. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. <clears throat> Good. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, I, I've, I've been a computer uh, person for quite a few years, uh, since the very beginning, and uh, some of the points that were made earlier are true. I think that uh, in actuality, it's probably the operating system is a substandard product compared to others that were on the market originally. Mm -hmm. However, the market shows uh, Microsoft as an operating system. And I think that's where part of the problem is, is that they have inside knowledge in, uh, of the operating system that they don't share with third-party vendors, such as Netscape or, or uh, Corel WordPerfect, etc., yeah. etc., et mm -hmm. which gives their products uh, an advantage that has enabled them to, to capture so much of the marketplace. And I think that's part, that's part of the issue. But let's it, say for an example, though, and, and I'm stretching it a little wee bit here, but let's say for an example that, uh, that Chrysler Corporation and, and Mercedes-Benz are now together, and they put their engineers together, and they come up with an engine that gets 200 miles per gallon. And they 
put this in, and still has lots of power, and they put this engine in all their Chrysler and Mercedes-Benz cars, and my gosh, people around the world flock to buy those cars. They won't even look. Why would you look at a car that gets 20 miles to the gallon? My car gets 200 miles to the gallon. And General Motors and Ford and everybody else is just going into the toilet, and Chrysler is just, just becoming a behemoth in the marketplace. Should they have to share that technology? Probably they would have to share that technology for the reasons that we're just happening with Microsoft. The thing is, is that the computer industry changes so quickly. As they say, like, uh, every three-month period is considered a year in the business cycle. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think that the legislation can move quick enough to even want to, to try to produce something that, that's viable, you know, to, to, uh, to curb Microsoft. I think the idea is, is that they are the dominant uh, player in the operating system, which is the desktop computer. Mm -hmm. But the world is moving into cyberspace, whatever that is, wherever that is. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid that they're going to have that same dominance in cyberspace. And they're looking at trying to at least try to level the playing field so everyone can jump in and see who, who can control that. And then I think maybe that's just the, the whole gist of it. The personalizing of, it, of making Bill Gates the devil incarnate, and mm -hmm. that's all just jealousy, I think. I mean... More power to the guy to, to make $50 billion, $100 billion, a gazillion dollars. It doesn't matter. After a while, the, the numbers are meaningless anyway. And he claims he's going to give it all away before he dies anyway, which is great. But I, I still think that the, the, the problem is, is that they have such a, a control of your desktop right now that, uh, um, that other players can't, can't compete fairly. And what, what, they can't, what they can't produce, they buy. Yeah. Uh, they tried to buy into it, mm -hmm. and uh, they were told they couldn't because mm -hmm. their MoneyWorks product was not quite up to the same standards as Quicken, and uh, and they tried to buy them, but uh, we're told, no, I'm sorry, you can't even you, you already own 85 percent of uh, the marketplace in in uh, <clears throat> in uh, office suites in uh, in the operating system, et cetera, et cetera. We can't we can't let you own 95 percent of the money market as yeah. well. All right, appreciate your call. No problem. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer here. Jeff, I want to turn to you a little bit on this because uh, I know one of the concerns you expressed was the uh, the overweening size of this, and you drew our attention to the fact that other trusts have been broken up or large businesses have been broken up in the past, um, specifically in the United States, primarily the oil trust, uh, steel trust, and the uh, railroad trusts. Um, if we exempt those three, and, uh, and uh, we may not have to, but just for the sake of argument, if you look at the industrial history of the Western world, we don't see these monopolies, at least as far as we can judge, I don't, we don't see them becoming negative. We don't see them becoming a drag on the economy, though. We don't see General Motors as a drag on the economy. We see it as one of the major engines of the economy. Uh, same thing for General Electric. We didn't see that. Now, of course, they're also mixed up. You can't tell who owns who. But, but even then, even though we have these huge mega corporations, there still seems to be little evidence, and, and, and perhaps you can enlighten me here, but from what I read, little evidence that we are suffering economically because of the success of these corporations. In fact, the evidence seems to suggest just the opposite, that the more successful General Motors becomes, the more successful the society becomes. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> and again, I think that uh, companies have to be very careful themselves in the sense that, uh, it goes back to my tax professor's line about pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. I think that when you, uh, w to, to be big in and of itself is something that, uh, that doesn't necessarily bother people. We're probably going to have two megabanks in Canada, you know, by the end of the year, and nobody's really getting that wound up about it. But on the other hand, you look at things like, uh, some of the things that they talked about around uh, monopolistic practices were, um, 
things like uh, price fixing, for instance, OPEC. You look at OPEC in the early mm -hmm. 70s, for instance, it just had a devastating effect on the North America, the world economy, really. But OPEC wasn't a business. OPEC was government. No, but OPEC were a bunch of guys who had a bunch of oil who said, we're going to sell you the oil they at were a much a bunch higher of price than you needed to. Who, who were the head of countries that had a lot of oil. And I think, I think uh, though, Jeff, if I could just take your, your example a little bit further, what happened to OPEC? They went in the toilet because they could not, their prices could not be sustained. There was a worldwide recession which reduced the value of their investments and the money they were making, and they backed off and have not made that and mistake that's because again. Of, because they you look didn't at practices. You don't look at the fact that they're big or, or little, but you look at, for instance, in the United States, they broke up AT&T, what, about 10 years ago mm -hmm. now? and deregulated the phone industry and you brought came in with all these discount uh, long distance services and that did bring prices down you know for better or worse uh, and again it's, just, not, it's not the left that are saying a, that's a bad government monopoly that's what was broken down they got rid of all the legislation that gave them that exclusive monopoly it wasn't well, a natural monopoly it's the monopoly that's the problem and it's interesting you know we talk about bill gates and we shouldn't uh, criticize him and it's just jealousy and so on but bill gates has a long history of being a bad boy and uh, he's been criticized all over the place you may remember when windows 95 was released it was discovered that the software had a provision wet where if you went on the net through it they could actually go into your hard drive and see what was in your everything that was in your hard drive and the rationale at the time was they said we're looking for pirated software pirated software is an immense problem we want to be able to go into hard drives and make sure you've got a license for your Microsoft product in there but inferentially they also happen to be able to see all your personal files like if you were a lawyer or whatever they could see everything in there and it was just chilling the prospect that they could do this and where where are the, where's Windows 95 it's in 95 percent of the computers in the world and government all over the place and and so he shoots himself in the foot by doing things like that and yet that's been his history all along I'm trying to remember there was a movie where the, where the, the bad guy was a guy who owned a big computer company. But how did that shoot himself take in over the foot? I know it stopped me world. from buying Windows 95, but it didn't stop a lot of other people. I think a lot of people think that was a, a, a sneaky, a, tricky thing for him to do. And if you're going to have $50 billion, if you're going to control 95% of the world's computers, you better be purer than the driven snow and give us no reason to think that you're going to do anything sneaky like that. But he doesn't control them. He builds them. You control it. You know, like the last caller said, you know, he's in control of his desktop. No, he's not. I could have gone to Apple and got my desktop run on an Apple computer. I used to own an ST, which was another system called Gem, just as handy as Windows. But they were far more expensive. Mm -hmm. The control came in the fact that this guy was giving me a better platform at a cheaper price. That's where the control is. And if you want to control me with low prices, please do. That's how I want to be controlled. Well, that's a trade-off. But again... The thing well, about Bill Gates is that he has this history of doing, you know, we've got into it, as was mentioned earlier, that they had, they wanted to get into that market, the personal finance software market, so they're, tr they're trying to build a competitive product, they can't build a competitive product, so they say, we'll just buy all our competitors out, and then we'll control this market, well, and then we'll they, charge whatever we want. Why don't they just say then, Bill, we don't trust you, and that's why we're going to do this. That's not what they're saying, though. Well, they certainly have over the years, and that was the reason, reason they couldn't buy into it. Okay. Let's, said, forget it. let's go back to the phone. 643-1290, star-1290 in the Cantel. You're always welcome to join our discussion here on Left, Right, and Center with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer and yours truly, Jim Chapman, and Gord's with us. Hi, Gord. Hello. Yeah. I'm kind of at a loss for definitions here. Uh, what is monopoly? As far as I know, there's tons of competitors for Microsoft. That's true. Well, well it depends point? what you're talking about, though. If you're talking about operating systems, there are... You can buy an Apple. Well, again, you can buy an Apple, which has, what, 2% of the market compared to 95%. Yeah, but whose fault is that? Is that no, Bill just, Gates' fault? It's just, no, but there are two concepts. One is, what is a monopoly? A monopoly is when one organization dominates a market. Dominates That's or market. forces? You may say that they dominate it because they're more more uh, effective, cost-effective, whatever. But the so fact is, they you, control the calling, market. Nobody you, suggests they don't control the market. Every number one company in whatever field they're in has a monopoly. Or the Chicago Bulls, for example. No. They, they're obviously stifling competition because they're number one. Well, again, and, and, and listen, I'm the one arguing the right-wing side today. Remember this. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy who's arguing that 
there's this problem that can come in in free economic uh, markets, where if you get one person who's got too much power, then you don't have that level playing field where everybody can bat it out and produce the lowest prices at the best, uh, but best price no at lower power. prices. He's, at the, he's, he's a slave at the whim of his customer, and that's why he has the wealth he has. He has a lot of wealth, and with his wealth, he has some power, but with you and me, he has none. We, he cannot force us to buy his computer. We will choose to do that of our own free well, will. Well, today, but isn't the concern maybe five years from now he will be able to force us to well, buy his computer? Well, how can he? Well, maybe there won't well, be anybody left. Well, the law, I guess, well, only the law the government. No, but maybe there won't be anybody left who can compete with him. Well, that, that's fallacious because obviously it'd have to get rid of every person on the face of the earth no, to no, get rid no. of competition. No, no, but, no, but, but <laughs> no, realistic competition has to do not just with the ability or the, or the opportunity to buy another product. It's also to buy another product at a competitive price. Would you not agree? Well, that's a contributing factor, but nobody's stopping it through law. That, that's what co confuses me here is that we, we seem to be applauding a monopoly called government uh, and we're, we're, on the other hand, we're saying Microsoft, who gets its money voluntarily, is, is bad. But again, you know, it's funny because Microsoft exists because of a law. They exist because of a patent law. When they come out with a new product, they are allowed to keep all kinds of parts of it secret. If they didn't have that 17-year patent protection, they wouldn't exist because their product would be immediately pirated into Southeast Asia, and you'd buy knockoffs all over the place. They're the strongest ones who will go crazy if somebody has an unlicensed version of one of their products. They say, there's a law that says you have to buy this from us. We've got intellectual property rights to this thing. So they're all, all for the law, and they're all for regulation when it serves them. But that's but not a law. That's a different kind of law. That's a law that protects... Oh, a law. Wait that a minute. Protects, a law is a law. No, there's a law that violates your private property rights, and there's one that protects it. The one that protects it is the correct one. That's the one you just cited. The one that's the wrong one is the one that violates But it. I just thought I heard that it's everything should be unregulated. If there was no regulation, the, market the world would be a better place. The market should be unregulated, place. not, not uh, property rights and laws and things like that. Okay, so you some know, regulation is good. Some is bad. Like, you don't have a right to regulate me to tell me I have to buy brand X instead of brand Y. That's what regulating the market would do. But again, there are people who would argue it would be better not to have uh, patent laws, that it should be the law of the jungle. If you can stay ahead of your competitor, more power to you. Um, I hope I'm, you're smart I, enough to I may be one of those people because I have a lot of <laughs> misgivings about a lot of patent laws and, and copyright because I think a lot of them are inappropriately applied, although I agree with them in principle. Um, but beyond that, I don't think that's the issue here. I think Gore's question of what's a, what is a monopoly is basically in, in the mentality of most people dealing with this. It's the big guy. Big but, is monopoly, but that's not yeah, what a yeah. monopoly is. Well, I know, and fundamentally, as I say, we're driven back to this, either you believe, uh, you know, and I'm not saying I believe or don't believe, but it comes back to this theory that either it's a good thing to have a bunch of companies roughly the same size duking it out, or, or it isn't. And it happens that in the United States, they've got this strong tradition of saying, we believe that's a good thing for our competition. Well, well, you they've been very successful. You, you certainly don't successful. believe that in, in, in issues like he education and health care. You think that it's more efficient to be done by one big monopoly called the government. And you've always talked about that as being efficient, efficient, efficient. And now no, no, here no, you no, are no, no, no. talking I'm not about big government. Bill Gates. <laughs> no, no. I talk about a bunch of little governments attached to the people, but that's a, a whole other issue. But I'd say one thing you can't argue about the United States is that they've been successful. Their model has been this aggressive uh, 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 government policy of going after the biggest, like for a hundred years, and yet they're, you know it's the most vibrant economy in the world. They've been very successful at it, like it or not, or dislike it. Gord, a last word to you. I, I think they're vibrant in spite of the government, not because of the government. Right, thanks for the call today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye bye. We're going to pause for a moment. Lots more to come on Left, Right, and Center with uh, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. If you'd like to join us and get your two cents worth in, or even three cents worth, give us a call at six four three twelve nine.
Let me, I want to come back to my example about the automobiles again. I want to get away from Bill for a second because it, it, it may be a little confusing. By the way, Jim, did you know that there, at one time in the past, Chrysler was taken to the antitrust legislation for including radios in its cars? I didn't know that. And uh, I think that was 56, 57, and because uh, that was bundling packages. Two people didn't want to always have to buy their mm -hmm. car and then go out and get a radio separate. Mm -hmm. So they started bundling the radio in with the car, and sure enough, there was a antitrust Somebody action. Like yeah, it. that's radio right. Industry. And that's, that's your right wing for you, talking okay. <laughs> All right. now, I, want to, I want to put that same example I put to our caller before. Chrysler comes up with new technology and designs a car that will get 200 miles to the gallon and still has great performance and so on and so on. And uh, because of the patent laws, they are protected in that technology, and they decide that we don't want to sell it to anybody else. We're going to put these engines into Chrysler Corporation cars, and that's going to be the end of it. And they do that, and they sell a zillion of them. And General Motors is going down the toilet and Toyota and everybody else because they simply cannot compete. They're not even close to being able to compete. That is going to happen, by the way, that uh, Mercedes owns uh, Ballard Fuel Systems, which makes uh, hydrogen fuel cells, and that's what they're developing, so well, that's going to happen. So, so what happens, I'm going to ask each of you, in that situation, what should happen? Chrysler is, has the protection of the patent laws that have been applicable in this country for many, many years. Uh, copyright laws, it's their intellectual property, they're making the most of it. Oh, and by the way, their cars are cheap, too, because they're selling so many and the price has gone way down, which is one of the reasons why their competitors can't compete. I'm going to ask you, Jeff, in that situation, somebody comes to you and says, Jeff, we're going to give you the authority to, to fix or modify this, this, this situation if you choose to do so. What would you do? Uh, well, I guess the, the, the concern comes after everybody else is gone. And to me, what I would do is monitor how things are going. They've got, say, 17 years patent protection. Uh, if it looks like, you know, GM or Nissan or, uh, or Fiat or whoever are going to be gone, and it will just be Chrysler at the end of that 17 years, and if there's reason to believe that they're going to jack the price of the cars way up after that, then I might step in. But otherwise, I'd try and stay the hell out of the way. Bob, what about you? Well, I'd let the market prevail, and that means leaving individuals free to make their own choices and protecting the patent of Chrysler. Uh, even if they did decide to put their prices up at some point uh, because they thought they had this great monopoly on the market, which, by the way, would never happen because they would lose money in that prospect. But uh, even if they did, they should be allowed to do so because that's the trigger to the market. That's the signal saying that there is value in putting in creating another competitive base mm -hmm. starting something new if you if if we legislate the price low for we end up really benefiting the big corporation because we're keeping them in business and keeping the other guys out because because there is no incentive to get in those mm -hmm. prices are are prices were never meant to be manipulated by governments they are they are an expression of the marketplace to us that carry very valuable information. And whenever we mess with the prices, we're getting false information. During the, uh, you know, the oil shortage of the 70s and stuff, Canada was still giving a false message because we were subsidizing our gas and oil uh, to the consumer. So people were buying big so cars. People were buying big buying cars. They weren't getting the right message from mm -hmm. the marketplace. Well, and that's why you have to let the market rule because that's the only way you get the proper information. Every, every government intervention, every government uh, law and restriction on, on, on trade and practice distorts the pricing system. And then we get wrong information and we make wrong decisions and we wonder, gee, why, why did that go wrong? Uh, you know, you're talking about the issue, too, of sharing technology. Sony made a really big mistake. Uh, they invented beta, and they also invented VHS, basically. But what they did, they gave JVC the, 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 uh, the rights to produce um, VHS, and JVC, in turn, signed that right over to many other companies. And lo and behold, guess which one took over the market? Mm -hmm. uh, Sony 
uh, you know, kept so or kept beta to itself and basically lost the market share because, uh, you know, just because of that one choice mm-hmm. that they made. One so thing, it shows that you should share your technology because you're going to benefit from that too. Yeah, that's well. That's the debate that Apple's always had about whether they should open their operating system or not. And historically, they haven't, and it's um, been suggested that's prevented them from growing. I, I I agree with that entirely. I yeah. think that was their big mistake. I think that the where the fear comes is, and I don't know if it exists, but is there an industry or is there a product where one person can become so dominant that nobody nobody else can catch up? And it's certainly it's not computers, because I would have thought that IBM would run the world by now, 15 years ago, and yet they just got clobbered because the little guys could come in and take over. I don't. Think think you can do that in anything other than a disposable product with a short shelf life and there is no such short shelf life that I'm aware of a product that would allow you that kind of dominance and here's why if you go for example and come back to my Cuba there's a lot a lot of things in that country that are very interesting on a lot of different levels um, you can't get automobiles the average individual in Cuba can't buy an automobile uh, except for that the 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 uh, the group the, uh, the the pool of pre-revolutionary cars the American cars so what you see in Cuba are cars that would have been retired here 20 years ago. You see cars with a, literally a million miles on them that are still running. Why are they running? Because there's a demand for them and because it can't be satisfied at the, at the purchasing end. You can't go and buy a new lot. You can't get one. You can't go and buy a new anything. It's simply not allowed. Uh, so so the, the, uh, the, the idea that the monopoly, because there's a monopoly there, the government has a monopoly yes. on cars. Well, what's happened to the individual? Well, if you want to buy one of these cars, you can still buy one. And the guy who owns it today has taken care of it because it has some value to him. So that, to me, that tells us a little bit about, about trying to totally control a market, saying, okay, we've got this monopoly now, so that means that, you know, if you want to buy a car from me, you've got to pay me a zillion dollars. Well, no, in fact, I don't have to pay a zillion dollars. I don't want one of your damn cars. I'll go over and buy one of these over here. Now, eventually, they become worth a zillion dollars, too, but there's a, there's a differential there, and it kind of keeps it in balance. Yeah, the cars actually reminds me of one of the uh, one of the examples that were raised in the competition law class of a problem with the monopoly, and that is that you may recall that it used to be the case if you bought a new car, you had to have all your service work done at that right. dealership, or mm-hmm. else there was no warranty. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the government decided, uh, based on a bunch of complaints about that, saying there's no real reason to suspect that if you don't go to a Ford dealer, but you go to Joe's Garage down at the corner, that that they're necessarily going to be worse. You know that the car is going to suffer mm-hmm. for that. So there's just no real. Uh, uh, supportable reason for that. We think you just want to sell a lot more servicing than you otherwise would. So the government stepped in and said, you can't have that law anymore, or you can't have have it that way. Uh, you can get your servicing done wherever you want, provided you maintain the same schedule as you're supposed to and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But we're not going to force you to go to a Ford dealership to get your Ford fixed anymore. And that, i say, was a little example of, of a problem, they said, with, with sort of the large companies, that they could impose that on you. It'd be interesting to know, though, whether, and I don't know whether you could ever be able to track this, whether the, co- the actual costs of uh, warranty costs went up when that happened. I mean, were there more warranty claims because it wasn't and, being done? I don't right? know. And I see it as an issue of contract. If I buy a car and I contracted to buy that car, and that if I want, and it, as, a, as a condition of my um, guarantee for a year, two, or three, that I have to go to that dealer... I'm accepting that at the time of purchase. I don't see, still don't see where the government should step in on that. I mean, you talk about this class called competition law. Isn't that a contradiction in terms? I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean to me, competition exists when you don't have laws in the way. 
and and and, <laughs> and the law does laws. one thing and, and <laughs> protects private property rights. But uh, you know, just just I thought that was an odd but oxymoron. Yeah, I, my understanding is that this was all driven by business in the United States back in the 1800s. That it was the people who were buying these products, the people who were buying the steel, the people who were buying the oil, who complained about. Uh, having to buy it at prices they thought were unreasonably high because Rockefeller or Carnegie owned it all. Uh, so I, I understand this whole thing no, was no, driven the by business. prices were unreasonably low when they owned it all, and the prices went up after their their trust was busted, so to speak. But my understanding is it came from business. This, this oh, whole yeah. thing came from business. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, not, not arguing about But that. there are other examples of where government has, has done the same thing. If you look, for example, at uh, Tucker Motor Cars after the Second World War when Preston Tucker came up with this idea for this fabulous automobile and was attacked by various other automakers and dragged through courts and eventually exonerated, but far too late to do him any good. Uh, one of the great problems he had, he had, a, he had a plant set up, he had the equipment, he had, this, he had the men, he had the car, he had the plans, and the United States government, which controlled the supplies of steel at that time because they were moving into the Korean War, and had a monopoly control over the steel, wouldn't give them the steel because they were being pressured by other large corporations not to do so. This didn't come out too much later, but that's really what killed uh, Preston Tucker. It wasn't the lawsuit because he won the lawsuit. The, mono the government monopoly on steel supplies would not give him the steel because they didn't think it was in the best interest of the American economy to have this upstart building better cars than General Motors, which in fact he was building at the time. Yeah. So it's not just government that does it, or not just uh, uh, industry that moves to monopoly. Government moves to monopoly too, even in industrial settings. But what was in it, what was in it for government in doing that? Uh, I, I suspect it was probably pressure from GM. And you remember oh, the famous absolutely. statement about what's good for GM is good for the United oh, States. There's no, there's, know, uh, there's no question. You've got General Motors in Detroit that employs a zillion, uh, you know, zillion people and, and, and by implication a zillion voters. Uh, they also contribute millions of dollars to p a political campaign campaigns, and they say, "Listen, this guy's trouble." So, start in special interest groups. That's the problem. Six four three twelve ninety. Start twelve ninety on the Cantel. We want to hear from your special interest group this morning on left, right, and center. Left, right, and center on Talk of the Town. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer, and Jim Chapman here. Bob, let me ask you: Do you think there is ever a situation where? It, it would make sense for government to intervene in a business. And I'm going, to, I'm going to exempt areas of health and health inspection and that sort of thing. I'm assuming that you don't have a problem with that. Uh, or am, I, am I making a mistake by assuming no, that? No, not, not where it would affect other people, yeah. certainly. Um, and certainly wherever business is, is actually operating illegally. You know, this is one of the things that bothers me. Look at what this guy, uh, Chief Joel Klein, who is the federal antitrust chief in the United States, says about uh, Microsoft. He says that they're they have this barrage of illegal, anti-competitive practices that Microsoft uses to destroy its rivals. I've never heard of these illegal Microsoft practices. They never name them, but they're always labeling them. And if there's something illegal in there, gee, I wish we could tell, somebody would tell us what the heck it was. What did he do that was actually illegal? How did he actually break the law? Well, it's, a, or, it's the American antitrust laws. So say, uh, if you try to well, enter a market, okay. that's illegal. Oh, it doesn't mean criminal criminal law or anything like oh, that. So, so it's a judgment on the part of the, uh, of, of the regulators that this is illegal. In other words, you don't even know that you have broken the law until someone, in someone's opinion you have passed some kind of magical line. You know, there's no specific action that you can cross. But that and happens, I, but that happens in it, everyday life, too. There are all sorts of laws that, that the, the boundaries of which are not hard and fast. They're somewhat arbitrary. Well, but this is utterly arbitrary. Where is the line? There's no line at all. It's well, they just, may, know, they may know the line. I mean, we may not from that newspaper article, but the line may be very clear to people who are experts in this area of the law. You know, they're saying that, okay, Bill Gates has 95% of the market. Is that the magic figure? Should it only be 90%? Is that, you know, when, when should they act? And uh, 
having that market again we have to remember we live in a free market we're not in a market like the soviet union where people where the government might force us to buy bill gates products we have to remember you know? this is a big dance that's going on like this is, say bill gates is not going to get uh, shut down or anything else all that's happening here is this is a negotiation and you've got a government agency that's negotiation at the point of a gun yeah right yeah, the one, from both sides and no, what happens no, no, is every no, no. so often they're both the, the one guy's got his rock away from the, the table they call each other a bunch gun. of names yak 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 and then they'll be back together. Next week, we'll be reading the news that talks are on again. You know, the, su the suit has been suspended, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is, this is so choreographed. <laughs> you can't believe it. And uh, as they say, they will work out a deal at the end of the day. But well, part of getting to a deal is calling each other illegal and all that stuff. It's, it's certainly predictable, given the players and the situation. But I wouldn't so much call it as choreographed. I've, I've found in my, in my readings of Bill Gates and reading, I've read interviews by him. I've, I've read some, you know, because he's richest guys. I think you want to be interested in him. But he's, for years, he's been terribly naive about government. Mm -hmm. And and he just sort of just carries on in his own little nerdy way, going on with his computer business. And he doesn't realize there's all these people out there who envy him, who want to do, you know, want to do him out of business. And Coming that, to get him. And that they will hey, go to government to have, have their bidding done. That's uh, That, to me, is when you step over that line. This is image management. He knows exactly what he's doing when he decides to, to do something like this. He's got the best legal help in the world advising him when they get into a strategy like this, and they sit back and say, here's the risks, here's what's probably going to happen, here's how it'll play out, here's our strategy. They've got this thing mapped out 10 steps down the road. Okay, yeah, well, wouldn't argue with you there. Okay, we're mapping our way back to the telephones, and we have uh, caller John with us. Hi, John. Hi, how you doing, Jim? Fine, thanks. That's good. It's a very interesting uh, topic, that's for sure. Thank the only um, thing I was thinking is that I think you have to change the uh, consumer, that, don't you? Like, everybody nowadays, it's, uh, it's not so they, they all want something, and and um, like I say, you can always say, "Oh no, I, I, you know, if you if you don't agree with what's going on, like I say, it's same with like computers. If you don't like, we've got a Mac, and I mean, you can't do anything without uh, like with if you don't have any Microsoft stuff. And you know, what I mean, yeah. you're looking around, yeah. and it took us weeks to even find people that can help you on stuff. And another one I think of is um, like the NHL now, and same with like all sports. I mean, not it's with ninety dollars to try and go see a hockey game. I mean, nobody can afford this anymore. But like you say, I mean, I guess the consumer has to say, uh, no, we're not going to take... Well, that, that's it, and I think that... I've heard you say that before. You yep. just, you've given up on hockey yep. and... Yep, the, the, the hockey analogy doesn't hold because you yep. say nobody's willing to pay. That's not true. Lots of people are still willing to pay, and that's the problem. Exactly, and the thing is, like you say, but now then you see what's going on with, like you say, the governments, and, you know, you get uh, you have to give free taxes and stuff. But unfortunately, what happens is it drives it drives people to the brink doesn't like say i mean i think it's going to be so the demise of it like i say because i mean you just keep seeing these people asking for more and more and more but like i say i mean you certainly don't want government intervention but oh it's so hard to to put the two together isn't it yeah good point john thanks okay, for calling thanks. today what's that i said thanks for calling okay thank you take care now bye-bye and doug's with us hi doug hi yes sir mr metz i i'm normally tend to be on your side today but you said a couple of things that that have uh, irritated me a little bit it's not a straightforward issue. I understand that. Some years ago, the um, in the United States, they were looking at General Motors and antitrust legislation as their market share crept towards 60 percent. And uh, General Motors tried something. They put an oddly shaped radio and controls in a car and said it was standard. You didn't have to pay for it. And on the surface, the customer said would say, great, they give me a free radio. That's a better product. For the same money, I'm getting a nice built-in AM, FM radio. Mm -hmm. But the problem with it was that the radios were built by a division of General Motors called Delco Electronics. And 
it was not financially feasible for a competitor to retool and totally redesign how radios are made to fit that product. So in effect, in the name of helping the consumer, they eliminated the competition. Uh, and that, they were that's taken not what court. happened there, Doug, not by what the story you just told well, me. Well, just all, a second. You, they you, were you, taken to court, yeah. and it was stopped. At that point in their development, the, in, those things started. With Microsoft, the same discussion started many years ago, but they have not been able to get it done in court, as they did with General Motors. They didn't slow it down. And you said, what have they done illegally? They put software in Windows 95 that erased the files of versions of Netscape if you put them on their, on their operating system. That was considered a predatory, illegal practice. This whole maneuver would not have gained any momentum at all if they had not been able to show that they didn't just compete. They took deliberate measures to eradicate the competition. And that's the difference. It's a, a deliberate, premeditated, predatory... Are, are, you saying, are you saying that they removed Netscape because of that reason or because they had to remove files from Netscape so that, their, so that their browser would run and not be interfering with files from another browser? No. They ensured that Netscape would not run if Internet Explorer existed. Okay, and they let's, didn't let's, have let's to deal. do that. They okay, didn't Doug. have to do that. They could have left the customer the choice. Run Explorer, if you like it, or run Communicator, a competitor's product. Okay, now, Put Shell gasoline in your car or use GM gasoline. I mean, that's the difference. They weren't giving anyone an honest choice. Now, Doug, uh, I, 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 I disagree with you. I, I already said earlier in this show, um, for example, I didn't take Windows 95 because I believed it to be a predatory program, so I stuck with Windows 3.1. I made that choice. I'm still running on 3.1. It serves me well for the time being. So, you know, it goes back to the previous caller, John, who says, yes, the responsibility is with the consumer. As to your example with the GM's antitrust, you said that they built an oddly shaped radio that they called standard. That, to me, is fraud. If you're building an odd-shaped radio and you're putting it on the market as standard radio when you know it isn't, that's 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 no 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 no. Fraud. You misunderstand my example. Well, well, it was, well, that they was called it standard saying. equipment. You didn't have to buy it. It was free. Well, they they didn't mean standard in the marketplace. They no. meant standard with standard their with car. We were talking about Chrysler. You said Chrysler earlier did that. Was it was this the same it's story? The same kind of thing, yeah. probably. So well, if that's what they meant, well, I don't see a problem with it. If, if it bothers you, you don't buy the car. Well, in the American system, and they and they they're the biggest believers of competition there is. At a certain point, and that's what we're debating and, and discussing. At a certain point, you become so large that you stifle competition, and they like lots of healthy competition. Mm -hmm. I, I think we would do well to, to watch their okay. example. I have to leave it. i got other people waiting, but thank thanks. you for your call, sir. Appreciate Bye. it. And we want to get Tom on, too. Hi, Tom. Hi, how you doing, Jim? Fine, thanks. Good. Um, let me first say that normally I uh, would take the standpoint that uh, it, it should be a, a free and open market, and uh, that uh, the, the better product, the better uh, competitor will prevail. But I guess I, well, the point that I think is being missed, uh, but I guess was hit by the, the previous caller there, is that where the problem, as I see, where the problem is, what the complaint is, is that the bundling of one type of software into the operating system um, sort of prevents anyone else from developing 
versions of that software. I think there's a tremendous that, benefit. That may be, that, Tom, having, but that's a consumer demand. Computers run on, on Windows 95 or 3.1 or whatever, but if suddenly they started bundling Word for Windows and uh, um, PowerPoint and everything into the operating system, then where's the incentive for anyone to develop a new word processing system or a new presentation program? Um, there, there's not going to be a market for it. Now, you made the point that no one's forcing you to buy it. Well, that's not entirely true. If you already have a computer, no one's forcing you to buy it. But go out and buy a computer today, you're not going to be able to get a copy of Windows 3.1. It's going to come with 95 or very soon, or 97 or Windows 98. So I think that's where the, the, the key difference is, is in the fact that the choice is being removed, not necessarily from the, the existing consumer, but for someone who's going out to buy a computer right now. And yes, I think it's a marvelous idea, as I said, that, all, that most computers are going to run on Windows, because then I can interact with you and you can interact with your neighbor and so forth. But if there's software on there that has nothing to do with the operating system, then I think that is uh, pushing the, the, the line as far as uh, uh, exploiting monopoly. Well, I, I know that the industry is already very concerned that they've over-bundled because a lot of people are turning off, off of programs because they're getting so many things that they don't need. But at the same time, all the bundling was done in response to consumer need. People would be getting computers, buying the basic operating systems. They want to go online, and lo and behold, they find out they don't have the program necessary. Right. So they get a browser, and then they find out, oh, you mean I need something else to dial in on top of the browser? So that's another program. And every step of the way is a frustration for the consumer. So all that I see that Bill Gates has tried to do is respond to that frustration so that when a person plugs his computer in, he turns it on and he can do what he wants without having to buy any more programs. And that was, I think, the basic market-driven uh, reason for that type of bundling. Now, Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Bill Gates. I think that he deserves every penny that he's earned and uh, that he's pro provided a tremendous service. But, Tom, you've got to be careful when you start drawing, drawing lines about where his success should end or where we should be able to oh, step so no, in on... nothing to do with Bill Gates' success. It has to do with if you have something that is going to uh, exist in 95% of, uh, of a product, in 95% of the, the homes out there, you've got a product that's going to be there. Well, let me ask and you... Then, and then you use that entry point as saying, well, then we'll also put this in... Um, then I think you run the risk of limiting competition, and nothing improves without competition. Okay, Tom, I have to limit your call here, but I thank you for joining us today. Okay, thank and you. Uh, the music means we've run out of time, guys. Thank Go you. Ahead. A lively thank one you. today. Good topic. And um, we may revisit this at some point in the future. No doubt. Uh,